All right. <laughs> and thank you for joining us. This is episode 60 of the Making It in Nashville podcast with our guest, Aisha Adams. Let's start with a quick soundbite from Aisha. These are things that I'm doing because I live here. And this is not business as usual. This is my life. And I think that is the piece where I feel once we, we get there to understanding that this for me is not something that I can even take a break from. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get a break from this issue. Yeah. Um, and I face it head on in a lot of dynamics as a wife. You know, I face that issue as a mother and then my own individual issue. So there's, it's a lot. And I'm a sister and a daughter and a, you know, so I have all these different dynamics that in every facet of my life, this shows up. So for me, it's not um, a question of, can it be from any other place but love? Because this is my life. And if I want to have a loving, healthy, you know, mental state, then I have to come from a place of love. Welcome to Making It in Nashville, a podcast where you get to hear the stories behind some of your favorite artists and businesses here in town. Each episode, we interview a different local Ashevillian and we work to uncover how they're making it in Asheville. We learn a little bit about their story and what they're doing here in Asheville and provide you with actionable insights from each conversation that you can then apply to your own work and life. And we are your hosts. That is Sarah and I am Tony. We're a husband and wife team that moved to Asheville in May of 2019. Since then, we set out to answer a single question. And that question is, how does one make it in Asheville? This podcast has been the result. And we have gotten to interview so many amazing Asheville-based entrepreneurs in pursuit of the question we were hoping to answer uh, because we didn't exactly know how to make it in Asheville ourselves. Uh, hearing some of these stories has been so inspiring and supportive uh, of our own journey and of our audience, of your journey. So thank you for joining us in episode 60. Before we dive in, a quick note about our sponsor, Range Urgent Care. Range Urgent Care is a local walk-in clinic here in Asheville. They have two locations, one on Merriman and one in Black Mountain. Uh, They are really, truly reimagining the way that traditional clinic care is done. So what does that mean? Like I get to walk in and sit in line for a long time? No. So Range Urgent Care has uh, the ability to schedule your own visits, which means that you can walk in and be seen right away. So no more long waiting times. That actually works? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And then what about like if I don't want to go into an urgent care facility right now? That sounds a little sketchy. They also have the ability to do uh, virtual visits and home visits. Ooh, that's cool. But now something as cool as that, it's got to be like crazy town expensive, right? No. So subscriptions are start at $30 a month and are customizable based on your family or your team's needs. Oh, so it's not just for one person. It's also for families and also for businesses. That's really interesting. So where would I go to learn more about this? And is there any kind of special offer available to Making It in Asheville listeners? You can go to makingitinashville.com forward slash range to learn more. And yes, we do have a special offer. You can get your first month free of any annual subscription membership by simply using the code Making It in Asheville at checkout. Or again, you can go to makingitinashville.com forward slash range and use any of the links there to check out. Wonderful. Cool. So 
uh, with that, episode 60 is now officially, officially underway. Uh, and what a incredible opportunity we had to interview Aisha Adams. Uh, Sarah and I have been like one degree of connection from Aisha for what seems like the entire year that we've lived in Nashville. Um, and then in the last several weeks, I, I'd say that she's just been everywhere that we are going when we are looking for information on like how to be a better ally and community member in Asheville. Sarah specifically um, like made it clear in in the early days of uh, seeing some protests and community out like uh, outspoken community engagement in Asheville that Aisha seemed to be the person that if we could we would love to have on our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a little bit of background information about Aisha. She is the founder of Aisha Adams Media Group. She's also the author of The Courage Principle, as well as um, the writer and the mastermind behind her personal blog, nappythoughts.com. Uh, and she also recently started an initiative called Equity Over Everything, which we talk a little bit more about in the episode. Um, but short to say, she's doing a lot of things here in Asheville to build community, to create change, to see the kind of um, improvements, connections, yeah. and community that we all want to be a part of. The, the thing that I keep coming back to is that like Philip Cooper uh, challenged us, like if, you're, uh, if you have access to the resources and you're connected to the community, I command you to be a bridge. Something to that effect, he said, Aisha is an incredible bridge, right? She mm -hmm. has... Um, put out videos that are going in versions of viral around the five things businesses can do to show up as better allies to the Black Lives Matter community um, while staying on brand. And as we work with uh, businesses in town and across you know, the country at this point, uh, that is a very, very timely and important conversation that we're trying to have. And Aisha's I'd say openness and candor and um, and information was just so helpful and powerful to us. And we think it'll be helpful and powerful to you as well. So thanks, Aisha, for <laughs> joining us on this podcast. And without further ado, let's dive in. Here's episode 60 with Aisha Adams. Please enjoy. Please introduce yourself and let the community know a little bit about what's going on in your world today. Hi, I'm Aisha Adams, and I run Aisha Adams Media, which is the home of the Asheville View, as well as Equity Over Everything. And I am so excited to be building community with you all today. So that's what's going on in my world. We're building community. We're getting to know each other and ready to have some fun. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Um, so this episode, I, I mean, to, to set the stage, right, we're this weekend, as we're recording it, is the weekend of the 6th and 7th. The episode will come out in a, in a week or two. Um, but there's a, like a lot happening in Asheville. And to, you know, be transparent, you kind of came into our world in a big way. We had seen you like before, but you mm -hmm. came into our world in a big way with, uh, a video about the five things 
businesses can do to be, I believe, more inclusive might be the language. Um, how, how has the last week, just in your own world, uh, been, and how are you, I guess, before we go into it? Yeah, how am I? I am okay, right? Like, I was having um, a phone conversation with my best friend who is a first responder in Birmingham. And she was like, Aisha, this is the moment that your brand has been preparing for. Like, this is what you do. This is, you know, how you do things. And so for me, that video was really made out of just frustration of people saying, like, how do I um, support Black Lives Matter and stay on brand? And so, um, but the concepts are the things that I fight for in our city, in our community with you all every day so this isn't new for me or some new information or a new video and i'm probably pretty well known for being brutally honest and so that's just what i do it's a part of my stick um so yeah it's been really good and amazing and i did a follow-up video that was like what i want my white friends to do um, which has been even more popular than that one that has gotten even more views. So I think it's just about loving on the people that you love because I love all of my friends. And I think it's about um, having hard conversations. What I've learned in my work is that I don't really am not in collaboration with someone until it gets sticky, until we have to have that conversation, until I have to really say what I have to say and really hear what they have to say. So for me, in my growth and development, these videos are bringing me closer to the people that I already love. These are the people that I, you know, I sit in meetings with. These are the people that I have a glass of wine with. These are the people who my children, my son plays with. Their children are my children. Um, these are my friends. These are my people, my community. This is where I lay my head. It's when I send my husband and my son out, this is where they go. So I just felt like it was important for me to say what my piece to the people who I love, to the people who businesses that I support, to the people who I sit next to when I go to, um, to eat or shop. And so it was just, you know, an organic conversation, in my opinion, between friends. Yeah. I love that. I oh, mean, wow. I, that when you posted that video, um, I just felt like it was so needed. And in particular, I immediately thought about sort of our community that we're building here and how much they need that guidance right now, or they just need to listen to someone giving them that because everyone's asking themselves, all the businesses, I think in Asheville and, and everywhere are asking themselves, what can I do? What can I do? That's, that makes sense for me, right? That isn't like, you know, totally off brand for what I stand for and what I do, which is, is really, really hard. I would love it if you could, for people who maybe haven't seen the video, um, or just now, you know, sort of tuning into what you're doing, could you just share sort of the highlights of what you talked about in that five things video? And we'll, we'll link to the actual videos in our show notes. So we don't need to necessarily go and ask for that script again, or the the meat, but just the the highlights. Um, well, you know that the first thing I think I said was, well, it was the video was, um, five things that you can do it, um, without posting. Mm. So we're really talking about preserving your brand as a, 
about the powerhouse that you are and what does it mean to be a brand and an institution within yourself. So that's really the basis of where I was coming from. Because when I am with um, businesses and brands, they are an entity within themselves. And so how do how does entities show other entities that Black Lives Matter? So that really mm-hmm. was kind of the meat of what I was getting to. And the first thing that I said was, you know, um, I think fiscal, be a fiscal sponsor. We have so many organizations, nonprofits um, that can't access funds because we don't have organizations that have the structures. So a lot of times we might not have those 501c3 paperwork or that board of um, directors, but we might be in the community 20 hours a day, like say like a Philip Cooper, who's in a community who's really helping people with addiction and really talking to people about work. But because he's an entity, like a one-man show, he may not have the structures in place. So Mm -hmm. become a fiscal sponsor. Help alleviate some of the bureaucracy, right? Because being an ally means helping us navigate white supremacy and patriarchy, right? Um, The other thing I said was hire Black people and people of color. And this is one of the things I'm glad to be here because I feel like it got a little bit misconstrued. First of all, I said, hire us at a thriving wage. And then what I wish I would have said, because you know you're live and you can't always say what you want to say. But what I wish I would have elaborated on was that we don't always have to be in that W9 sort of relationship that we want to be your vendors. We want to be your artists. We want to be um, your suppliers. Like there are many roles in which you can support us in the tiniest ways. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I say pay black people a thriving wage, I am not saying that you need to restructure your company. Like you can continue to have contractors and those things. Um, Another thing that I said was uh, adopt an organization or a business. And I think this one is really important because, you know, I think for like, mainstream businesses, business is business, nonprofit is nonprofit, and there's a line sort of, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in the Black community, like equity over everything is for profit. I'm not a not-for-profit because I have to eat and have to feed my family. And not say that you can't make money in a nonprofit, but that structure does not fit my entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow me the capacity to operate within myself. And so one of the principles that I raised my son on and that I live by, my husband was raised on was um, self-determination, which is a principle of Kwanzaa. And so a lot of us are separate entities into ourselves. That's just how we are. So I feel like that's really important. So I'm so grateful to be able to share that today. Um, I think the fifth one was, um, let's see, adopt pay. And when I said adopt an organization, I think it's also important to say, like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be money. It could be time. Um, It could be uh, talent as well. So share your staplers, share your paper, share your grant writer, share your janitor. Like, you can share anything. Yeah, I love that. That that one in particular was like, oh, whoa, like, that is something that is so not, I don't want to say easy to do, but it's just like, why didn't, why didn't we think about that before? And, and, (laughs) you know, I think that's a really creative way of thinking about it. That doesn't necessarily cost a business a ton of money to do. If I already have a stapler, I already have a printer. Sure. 
Yeah, I'm in the process of uh, releasing this diversity, inclusivity, and equity institute in partnership with Lenora Rhyme. Mm-hmm. And when we were doing the market research, we would go around from organization to organization and we would pitch. And I didn't have a stapler in my car. Right? Like I didn't, and I, <laughs> you know, and I didn't feel like I could just go to a business and like, I need four staples to staple for four sets of papers, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's a really interesting concept because just being a support, being a neighbor. So are we all we're going back to is the same things that our mothers and our grandmothers taught us, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Well, we're going to leave the fifth one, a cliffhanger for everyone. So please <laughs> so go check out the video and we have <laughs> find out what number five yeah, was. Yeah. We have linked on the show notes page. Um, and I think that's, so I think that your ability to just show up to your point from a place of love and, um, and, perhaps step into a new role for yourself like are are you used to creating you know talking head videos of yourself is that is that normal in your world oh yeah um i have i think what has changed is that the people have changed so i haven't i'm not doing anything different right like if you go back into my videos there's Hey, I'm thinking about launching equity over everything. And this is, you know, what I'm doing. If you look at my work and if you read my work or follow me as a writer, then you know I'm showing up for CoThink every year and I'm writing the article on their yearly fundraiser. I'm an ally to CoThink. If you're working with me in any way, then you know I work with Rob Thomas at the Racial Justice Coalition. So these are things that I'm doing because I live here and this is not business as usual. This is my life. And I think that is the piece where I feel once we, we get there to understanding that this for me is not something that I can even take a break from. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get a break from this issue. Yeah. Um, and I face it head on in a lot of dynamics as a wife. You know, I face that issue as a mother and then my own individual issue. So there's, it's a lot. And I'm a sister and a daughter and, you know, so I have all these different dynamics that in every facet of my life, this shows up. So for me, it's not um, a question of, can it be from any other place but love? Because this is my life. And if I want to have a loving, healthy, you know, mental state, then I have to come from a place of love. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about both um, Aisha Adams Media and Equity Over Everything. But first, Uh let's talk about Equity Over Everything. And how did that start? Take us through the timeline. We can't talk about one without the other, because I knew when I started Aisha Adams Media that it would be a group of different media things, because I wanted to really um, have fun and do the things that I love to do. So it really was about, okay, if Kim Kardashian can make a lot of money just like doing nothing, then maybe I can too. So but by doing something, you, there has to be, right? <laughs> if you do something, you got to be able to figure it out too. I'm with you. <laughs> well, I was thinking doing nothing, right? Because uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you do so much. Like, I'm black. <laughs> like, this is what we do. We help each other. We stand in yeah. the gaps. Like, this is a, not a, for me, something fantastical. This is a social responsibility as 
a black person. I have to vote because those issues affect me. You know, I have to volunteer because those issues affect me. I have to be in community with people who look like me because there are other people in my community who can't tell us apart. I don't have a choice. Like this is not something I'm doing from the kindness of my heart. This is survival for my child, my son, survival. And I think that once we get there, when people are understanding that we are in survival mode, when we are doing these things, I have to show yeah. up for racial justice because my son will be denied. Yeah. And so I don't have a, like a, a, a choice. It's not like I can be like, and I come from a place of privilege. I've worked really hard and Asheville has been kind to me and my, my, um, and I'm definitely in a place of privilege, but at the same time, you know, Oprah has experienced racism. So there's no way around it. Right. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm showing up because I, I want to live. I want to yeah. thrive. So I, one of the things that we always like to ask our guests is kind of the, about this defining moment in their life where they knew that they were being called to do what it is that they do. Do you right. have that defining moment in your yeah, life? Yeah, I didn't answer it? your first question either. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I right. think we'll, I can kind of pull we'll get them there. together for, to one answer. So at Aisha Adams Media... I, so I started this thing out as a teacher, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I came to Asheville. I was recruited by Stephanie Cyrus, who um, worked in HR at Asheville City Schools as a part of a diversity and inclusivity um, plan from Asheville City Schools where they wanted to bring in more diverse teachers. So I came here and was told when I walked through the door that this is about diversity, equity, and inclusivity. And here's why we want you here. Yeah. And um, where did you think, move from? Um, so I moved, actually, I moved. It was really funny because I was living nowhere, actually. I was living, I was teaching in Shreveport, North Carolina, in Job Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wanting to move to Atlanta. So I was going to job fairs in Atlanta. Mm-hmm but I was living at home with my mom in Birmingham. So I was mm-hmm. really living in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time that I came and I saw what was happening in the schools, it was a lot. And um, it was hard for me because I wasn't able to do the things that I wanted to do. And although I felt like I did accomplish a lot in the school, and I came for the reason that I came, I felt compelled to write about community. So here I am living on three and a half acres of land in Mills River saying, I'm going to write for the people, which was silly, right? Like, you're not going to do that. So, well, back up a little bit. I left Asheville City Schools because I had a car accident. I broke my Mm -hmm. neck, my wrist, my leg, and my car flipped over into a body of water. So I'm in the, I'm like getting ready to go to surgery and I'm like, Hey, can you call my boss and tell her I'm not coming today? And everybody's just laughing because they're like, you're so excited. Like she doesn't realize she's not going to be going back for a while. Like I was just excited to be going into surgery that day. Right. And it wasn't about the children because I love the children. It was Mm -hmm. just about the bureaucracy and just the stress. And I was just like, Ooh, a free day off. Right. So, (laughs) um, but in that water, like I was up in the water and had all these broken bones, had to get myself out the water. And like, all I could think about was I, I have something bigger to do. I have something else to do. Like, 
I should be dead right now. So I broke my neck, I broke my wrist, I broke my leg, and it was really a reset for me. Um, at the time, my husband and I weren't married. So this was about seven years ago. And I had been in Asheville teaching. And one thing that I think about the teachers, which I, I want to bring more attention to what they go through, they're in a bubble because they have to teach. So in the morning when they wake up, they're teaching, they stay after school and they don't have a lot of, like that is our community service. That is what they do for us. And so I had been so locked into that system that I didn't know a lot of people. You know, I didn't have community outside of the school system when I left the school system. So I had this accident, um, I came home and I was so tired of just school, like the whole concept of school. I was given a hard time for my son's teachers. I was, I had been at um, RLC. So, you know, we were in the trailers and just a whole bunch of just politics. And I was just tired. So I withdrew my son out of school um, and I unschooled him and homeschooled him in a combination hybrid. Um, and once I did that, it provided a way for me to build community because my philosophy on school as an educator and what that means is I know that you can't teach black kids if it isn't real. If the work that they do does not show up in community, they don't want to do it. They don't care about doing it. Does that make sense? Like if they're not if their work, so if I give my son some book work to do, it's a big chance that, you know, he's not going to do it. But when the, <laughs> he says, when, when the president calls, but it was really just like uh, Hillary Clinton's, you know, uh, people, they called and asked him to do a speech uh, to do the pledge when um, Tim Rice came to, to talk for campaigning, uh -huh. like that was real to him. I'm going to go and take a pledge for my community. I'm going to show up for my community. I'm going to stand in front of my community. So his speech classes were like radio shows and speeches in front of community because that's really what our children need to feel included into community and to feel a part of community. Yeah, a, a yeah. practical education. Yeah, I mean, right. I'd, I'd argue that's that's valuable for, I mean, every I think every student learns differently, right? And some people right. need more of that hands-on interactiveness and probably need that more in our school system in general. I mean, yeah. yeah. And you so could, my you students. You couldn't bother me reading any, anything. <laughs> I needed to talk about it. I needed to do it in front, like with some, like physically do it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I was out looking yeah. out the window. Yeah. And with all of the issues that happen in the black community, black students, particularly, again, this is about survival. So mm -hmm. if I come to your school and you're asking me to read Shakespeare, but I am not reading what Dr. Mullins is writing on the state of black Asheville, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel real to me because I want to know about me and my family and my history. So I love teaching. So I don't want to, I want to let you know, I love teaching and I would not be here if it was not for my students. So one of the things that I did with my students was I learned a lot about technology so that I could really impress my students. I also learned a lot of rap songs. So that, that's it too. Um, <laughs> so um, one weekend I planned my lesson plan. I was super excited and I come into class and I say to my students, and I had a couple of students that would meet me at the car and like walk me in and like, what are we doing today? So I'm oh like, it's gosh. a surprise. I'm not going to tell you. It's going to be so great. Um, 
because we would have these investigative kind of journalist type um, activities where they would say an issue that was happening in the school and then I would allow them to investigate that issue and then report back to um, the powers that be what they thought about, you know, what happened. So this time I'm like, okay, you guys, this is so great. We're all going to get rich. We're all going to do YouTube channels. Everybody's going to do a how-to video. Then we're going to, everybody's going to do an unboxing video. Like, I'm just like, you know, Leaning and they're into like, YouTube, into it. So, right. into it. And so they're like, no, you're going to do a YouTube channel. And somebody's like, I'll read the contracts. And somebody was like, I'll do her hair. And then somebody's like, well, you know, she ain't got a man. So we got to get her some clothes. <laughs> so <laughs> like my first period class, my last year teaching pretty much built the YouTube channel. Um, and it was a part of our schoolwork. So I didn't have anything to talk about. And I was transitioning into going vegan. So I would do these vegan videos. And I, I would do two or three a day. So my students would like get their work done. And when the situation happened with Paula Dean, do y'all remember that? Yes, I do. When the situation happened with Paula Dean, our video went viral wow. for us because we had more than like 2,000 views and we were like, the whole world seen it. Like, <laughs> it was so exciting to us. And um, we got a lot of comments. And so it was, that was our first time dealing with race in class. Um, which was really interesting. And so there's really like this organic flow. So that's how I got started on YouTube, the kids, trust me. Um, and from there, like we started earning money and they started getting pizza. Like it was a thing for our class. And then um, you when earn I money left, from Sarah, you earned money from ads from YouTube or? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because my, my kids were like, yeah, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would like buy, I, I would keep this snack drawer and I would like fill it up with snacks every time we would get a check so that kids could eat, you know? Yeah. Um, so they were really engaged in that process and that learning. And so that's really, I think, where Aisha Adams Media was born in the classroom um, with my students. But mm. I, when I, when I had the accident, I felt called to do my calling, which is right. So mm -hmm. I started a blog. So every day I would get on there, I'm like, babe, only 25 people a day are reading my blog. I'm like, just imagine if it was 30 people, how many people it would be. And so y'all hear how I talk to my husband. He's just like, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> so <laughs> um, one of my friends called me from Birmingham, who is a Black Lives Matter activist. And a Black girl had been found... Um, hung from a jail cell just a few days after Sandra Bland, not, not long after Sandra Bland. So I had done a Sandra Bland piece on my blog that had done pretty well. Um, I wasn't a, a, a really astute journalist, but I, what I did was I went back to all of Sandra Bland's, like all the things that she had said in her YouTube videos and made a, 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 a mixed media post where people could go see what she thought about racism. So and for everyone experience. that's, sorry, I, I should, for everyone that's listening, could you just explain who Sandra Bland is, so what she talks yeah. about? So Sandra Bland was murdered, um, we believe, by police. Um, mm. Her family won a lawsuit, so I think it's fair to say that. Um, but she didn't turn on a turning signal. She was starting a new job in Texas, and she was kind of learning the roadways. She didn't turn on her turning signal, and it ended up in her hanging from a jail cell. Okay, gotcha. So she was yeah. the woman in the jail cell. Okay. 
No. So then a few weeks later, there was uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. which is where I'm from, which is my hometown. Mm-hmm. There's another woman, Kendra Chapman, found hanging from a jail cell in a Hoover police department. What? And so because of my you know, role in community in Birmingham, a Black Lives Matter activist reached out to me and said, hey, um, we see, you know, your blog is making traction, but we have a story for you. And so I um, counteracted the story in the main press about um, Ms. Chapman. And that's just on my personal blog, nappybounce.com. So Mm -hmm. that was like, how it all started. So people started going to that blog and I started doing more stories about social injustice, like um, not your mainstream story. So everybody knows Eric Gardner, but I talk about a guy from Mississippi who was choked out, you know, and died. So just showing, because I think it's really important, we get the mainstream stories and we think that's all it is. And so I just wanted to add flavor and texture. And then I met a young lady who, um, she was in a car with some guys and they were smoking weed and she had been in trouble before because she had shoplifted, you know, a few years mm-hmm. late, earlier. And so when the police came, she jumped out the car and she ran because the guys were running from the police and she didn't know what to do. So she didn't want to be running from the police in that way. And then she was scared when she jumped out the car. And so she ran and she was mutilated by a police dog. Mm-hmm. And she was a young girl um, and she was on all the news circuits. But when I spoke with her, her issue was no one would post the pictures because the pictures were so graphic. Because when I say he mutilated her, I'm not saying her arm and her leg. I'm saying her genitals. Like she had to have reconstructive surgery. Um, And so I was the person to post her pictures. Um, And then I met a woman, Janice Green, who got 37 and a half years for shooting a bullet in the air. And so when I say like, this is my work, this is what I do because I can't sleep at night. Like these are the stories Mm -hmm. that keep me up. And this is my community. These are people that look like me. And so I've really wanted to use my platform for that because nobody really cared about my vegan videos. I mean, really. Um, (laughs) They like the videos way more than the blog posts for sure. Um, And so as I begin to, you know, really develop that space it was good and I retreated I retreated for a while because I would post these things and then I would go on LinkedIn and see police officers looking me up so I retreated and I got afraid and I was scared and I I actually worked with someone here called um, the evolving artist and I really talked about how to heal and like how to stand in your gift and move forward because I was saying things that made me not want to drive home See, it's really safe in Mills River to write about the Hoover Police Department, but it's not really safe to be in Hoover and talk about the Mm. police department. Sure. And so I really, I stopped visiting my family because I didn't want to endanger them. And I felt, because there were so many police officers just like looking me up, looking me up. Um, And so I was like, I just need to chill on this. Like I'm I'm doing too much. Like this is, you know. Um, So I worked with Terry for a while, for a minute. And then I sort of just started writing other things and really saying like, I live here now and this is my community and I'm going to do my work here. And one night I was laying in a bed and I was watching Facebook and this 
movie came across my feed and the movie was something that I had a connection to through an interview I had watched earlier. So I wanted to watch the movie, but I forgot the movie was out. So I'm laying there and I'm watching the movie and I'm completely freaking out because it's about a woman who was trafficked and then went on a killing spree. And I'm just like, wait a minute. She did this in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta the same time. Oh, I know. I, I know where that is. And so then I started like kind of paralleling our lives out and I'm like, oh my God, like she could be me. I could be her. Like yeah. we probably passed each other, like in the CVS trying to get condoms. Like, what is this? Yeah. You know? Um, so that story really b- took my blog to the next level because it was a mainstream story. Um, and so all of these stories about like what's happening with black people is what I've been doing is talking to black people and saying, y'all, this is how they're going to interpret the law. This is this, like just making sure that people know, because that's really the role that I've always played in society. Um, and so I feel like that's how, how all of this was born. I was just born out of a need to survive and born out of like these little bitty moments that kind of just like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah. I need to do that. And so last year, and Aisha Adams Media is, you know, does well. I get to get in front of audiences all the time and talk about marketing and social media, which are my favorite things to talk about. And we decided to develop equity over everything. Well, I developed equity over everything out of a really big vision. So I had this really big vision for equity over everything. And it's like, I was like, you know what? We need to create, uh, going back to Atlanta. Atlanta's my, 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 my favorite place to visit ever. So we're in Atlanta and I'm like, all these live, work, play areas, if we had this for black community, we would be more sustainable, hmm. right? And I was like, all of my black girlfriends aren't getting married because they don't get to see black men because if you're successful, it's only one of you in the office. Look at Barack and Michelle. They got really lucky, right? But um, if you're in a profession and you're in majority of America, you're going to be the minority in that, you know, space and you don't get to meet people. I was like, oh, what if we had to, like, the, my idea is like, what if we have this work play area? And then we started talking about like, okay, how do you buy a $50 million building? Hmm. And so it starts like all these things. And so usually my dad is like, you can do anything, go be great. He was like, and like normally he'll be like, I'm going to be your first donor. He was like, yeah, that's too big. I'm not putting my money in that. And so I was like, okay, um, all right. And so I, the first thing we did was the actual name equity over everything. The equity over everything started as me and my husband and my son. I'm like, y'all, we're so privileged. We should get back. So we got these t-shirts made. And it was like, every time somebody buys t-shirts, we're going to do a project. Nobody bought t-shirts, honestly nobody so that didn't work out and so I was still kind of clinging on to the name and clinging on to this idea that we need these live work play areas and so um all of this for me is to that end goal so the classes everything like everything I do is to the end goal to one day be able to buy a live work play area for black communities that can be built in black communities that bring up the property value of black communities. Like that's really what I want to do and help create services that are owned by people of color to serve people of color that makes sense and are to scale. Um, But that's like such a big vision, right? 
And I can't do that without my white friends and my black friends and my, you know, every friend. I need all the friends. If we got some purple friends, bring them too, right? Like I need all my friends, the witches, the pagans, like I need everybody, right? And so how do we then begin to do that? Well, it has to be equity for everybody over everything so that everybody has ownership, you know? And then when people get ownership, then we can all move forward. So it's been like slow moving. So like everybody's like, that's crazy. Like you want to buy 50, you know, five, you know, buildings with apartments. Like, you know, so it's so weird. Um, I think only one of my friends, she lives in um, Florida and she's a real estate person. And she was like, that's money. That'll Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was like, you just keep pushing. And so I came home and I just kept pushing, you know, making videos, talking to people, um, and doing my work. And so now I feel like this new phase that equity over everything is at, is this at where we're doing this project with Lenore Ryan, where we're doing this diversity, equity, and inclusivity courses. And I'm really hoping that'll jumpstart my profits so that I can eventually buy some land so that we can have these really inclusive, um, live workplace spaces that are scaled to community that can be profitable. So it's kind of like bringing in my love for community and my love for equity and kind of making them marry, if that makes yeah. sense. Oh, I mean, I, I, I love that. I, 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 my wheels are like spinning like crazy right now. I'm like, who, who we know in real estate? Like who's, you know, who's sitting on some like big money that, that like in theory, that's not that crazy of a dream. It's you need like one person to hear this podcast who is connected to a mega like real estate person right and then just energetically you align and then there's we're breaking ground in 2021 it's like not that it's not that crazy it just it's an order of magnitude and one of the things that's constantly like showing up in my mind is like how hard is it to uh to to start to try and sell t-shirts locally it's not easy like that's not an easy thing but if if you put as much work into attempting to buy a $50 million building, in theory, the upside for the same amount of work is just like orders of magnitude bigger. <laughs> I, it's just, it's, a, I, that idea gives me a lot of uh, energy. And now I, I like probably all day will be like, do you, maybe I'll t- reach out to Dan. Let me reach out to Dan. Well, if you answer. ever want to just talk more about this vision, <laughs> like nobody else wants to hear it, but it's happening. And Keep talking so about the piece of it is that what I learned was what I've learned as somebody who has come from poverty, right? Like I've learned that you're right. Nothing is impossible. It's all about who you know. So I, I, for me, a car, I remember it was like this thing. I had to catch the bus to school. My car broke down and I had to catch a ride from my brother. Like who wants their little brother driving them to school in their car? Like, no. So um, I wanted a car really bad and I had a boyfriend at the time and he fixed cars and he had eight, eight cars. And I was like, if you know the right people for every single person, things are like, if you know somebody who has houses, they just have them like it's not a you know and so that is why I feel like community is so important so I feel like as I continue to build community that vision can be more realized because it's not an individual vision you know it is a it is a community vision and it should be a city vision Mm -hmm. right it should be that we know okay this part of our community there's a there are low 
income, African-American-owned neighborhoods. A lot of people don't know that, but there are African-American-owned neighborhoods in the U.S., and that putting something like that, a building with a greenway and a bank mm-hmm. and a um, gym, and that could have, um, for me, I know we have like a lot of diabetes in our community, so having an endocrinologist right there and walking distance in those communities, um, having uh, those head starts um, and in our communities, and then building on businesses that do really believe that Black Lives Matter, like we were talking about in the beginning, mm-hmm. and having them be anchor institutions and providing work within those communities that makes sense for for what they're doing, I feel like could increase the value, not just of a community, but of our entire city and the South in general. So I feel like it is a big vision and I don't know what I'm doing and I still want to do it. And since I've started this, I have more than 20,000 followers. I have people that wake up every day that are like, we are fighting to live and to thrive and to be healthy. And we believe in equity over everything. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, the clarity with which you're telling the story of the future uh, is just means that you just need to keep telling that story because it's, it's, it's a matter of time as your community grows. Um, I, I can, I, I see it happening. Like I, one of the things that always, I, I'm always thinking about is like, you can't, know what you don't know and that's why i'm constantly trying to have conversations with people and like learn tiny bits and like pull out tiny little nuggets from like what their world was and what their business does and like how how did you grow up and you knew like so you just know how to fix a car like how do you learn how to fix a car (laughs) and how do you learn how to put nitrogen in it like he was doing all of these things and i'm like he's going to be my boyfriend because I need a car. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably going to hear this podcast. And I'm to be yeah. But, but to that, to that point, right? Like it's the same thing, except now it's, uh, you know, community development or real estate development or corporate partnerships. And it's just a matter of having more conversations, right? Like uh, I'm always trying to say that in like a sales world, it's not a it's not a matter of like whether or not your thing is worthy of being sold, right? Like if you make t-shirts and they're not selling, you're not having enough conversations with people to sell t-shirts. Like you're right. waiting for them to show up or whatever it is. But it it works with everything, with selling billion dollar uh, businesses, with selling you know twenty dollar t-shirts. It's a conversations and, and exposure. So- I started talking more to people. Uh, I started using my Facebook lives. And so the t-shirts are now at the chamber and you can grab a t-shirt and my son is doing inventory and you can get grab a t-shirt. I started we wearing will. the t-shirt every day. So and most of the time when you see me, if you see a picture of me, if you see me, I have on the t-shirt um, and we don't make a lot of money for the t-shirt. It's more for me about getting people to understand that equity is over everything is here. And that to really get people thinking about, well, what does equity mean and how do I use it to build a better community? So that's really where I feel like my work is. It, let, I mean, I, I, in, in fear of doubling back, I'd love to take a moment. What, what in, in your mind is, is movement toward equity in Asheville and how can we as making it in Asheville, maybe specifically, support you and your cause, the cause? Well, you have me here. So lifting up voices that matter or who are talking about equity um, in that subject field makes sense to me. Um, But for me, when I think about equity, first, I think about finances. And I think 
that when in social justice, we don't do enough of that. We don't talk enough about that if we do not have the financing to pay for our own education, to clean up our streets, it can't be done. And so I really think in a capitalistic society, as much as Asheville does not want to be, we are. And so starting with that and understanding that, you know, if capitalism is the water and we're the fish, that everybody then has to have something to reinvest into community. And so Mm -hmm. when we don't pay thriving wages, we don't give people of color enough in order to invest in their opportunities. So equity looks like investing into the people that are working for you. So don't call black people and ask them if you can pick their brain. Don't um, ask them to volunteer, Um, pay them a thriving wage. You know, um, I was having a conversation with a dear friend of mine um, and we were just talking about why, you know, there are not a lot of people that want to teach and particularly people of color and you can't be from poverty and survive off of a teacher's salary. Mm. Like, be like if like my parents so like if you're a teacher and if your parents have money before that then you can kind of come into it with no debt but if you're already coming into it with your school debt then you're already behind the needle as a teacher right yeah um if you have to use that money to buy like a car like you're done you're done for right (laughs) like it's over so there are a lot of things that we can do just in our systems like our nonprofit system and our education system, um, the people who who need to come out of poverty can't, and this is not about race, this is about equity for everybody. If mm-hmm. you come from poverty, going to work in a nonprofit is not going to save you. It's just going to make it worse. Going to work at a school is not going to save you. It's going to make it worse. And here's the cliffhanger, right? If you come from money and, and affluence, like why would you like go and teach, right? Why would you go and work on a nonprofit? But if you come from lack, and you come from having less, then you really fully understand it and you devote your life and your your soul and your heart to it. And so it's really a system of oppression that keeps happening and happening and happening in that way. Hmm. So to me, equity looks like paying black people a thriving wage. It looks like when money comes down from the federal government, like the PPP, the tourism fund, uh, or state governments and local governments, um, that there is money earmarked for communities of color that are not governed by white supremacy's values and standards. So if you're going to do, Buckham One is going to be so many millions of dollars in for the um, mainstream community, then if it's 6%, um, Buckham County, the, okay, 6% of these funds are going to the African-American community and the Latinx community, and let's bring those communities together to address their issues. I think um, there are a lot of white, well-meaning um, people in the world who want to do good things, and they assume because they need a loan, I need a loan, but if I come from poverty, I don't need a loan. How am I going to pay it back? Right. Like I don't, a loan isn't helpful to me. A loan is predatory to me. Mm. So even though people are trying to do the right things, if we're not understanding each other's stories, listening, having those conversations and fully getting it, then we will think we're helping when we're really not. And I see in our community, I'm so lucky to be here. And I spoke out because I do believe that this is the equity capital of the South, that as bad as things are, as much as we need change, I believe that the people here who I call my friends, the people I sit at the restaurants with, I shop with, the the people that I support here and listen to and share space with the air with, I really believe they want to see a change. And I'm, I've lived a lot of places and I've not seen that before. So imagine us getting all on this right foot and being the place where other people come to learn and being the mm. model 
for what equity looks like. And so that's really why we need that live workplace space and why we need to fill up those classes at Lenore Ryan, because we need something more than even for African-Americans than, oh, you can go and work in, you know, do housekeeping or, oh, you can do construction. Like maybe we don't want to do housekeeping and construction. So we have to definitely bring it out and and build it out and make it more um, than what it is right now. But I think we are actually as a city, like we're, we're, we're working and we're moving and it's, it's, it's beautiful and it's hard and it's hurtful at the same time. Hmm. I love that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I feel uh, the optimism in the way you delivered that gives me so much hope. And I, I perhaps in vain, but I, I definitely, I see things in, in a similar light. Like I'm so inspired watching, we, we have like kind of a quarantine in a, in a true sense, uh, but we, watching the internet and watching social media in this community, there's a lot of hard and a lot of like, oh my God, my heart hurts seeing mm-hmm. this. There's also so much that I'm just inspired by. And Sarah and I are having more meaningful conversations every single day than we've ever had in our entire life. And that's because of this community that is like seemingly really, really, really invested or hopeful or positively going to make some changes. Um, and we're, we're grateful to be here. Yeah. So, so Aisha, if you could share, if you think about Asheville and you think about resources um, that could be helpful for our community of business owners and entrepreneurs uh, um, in pursuit of your, the mission that, that you are on. Mm-hmm. What do you think of? What resources can be helpful for people here? I mean, I think the, that the same resources that are helpful to all of the people that are thriving. Yeah. You know, so we have tourism businesses. Mm-hmm. We just didn't fit the criteria because we don't operate in the same way. Our culture is different, yeah. right? So it's not that we don't need tourism funding. We need tourism funding. It's not that we don't need the African-American Business Association. But if you say you want to help Black-owned businesses, show up. I'm there every month. Show up. Yeah. Because a part of it is of being an ally is just showing up. Mm-hmm. 90% of what I do is, can you come to the meeting? Can mm-hmm. I come to the meeting? And then maybe they say something that I can do to help. And now I'm helping, you know, it's a really, to me, it's about just showing up in every facet, showing up in education and um, showing up in the religious sector, showing up in the economic sector, just showing up completely, but particularly in business, um, African-Americans have been locked out of most of the opportunities. I see funding that goes on for years without ever including an African-American person, I see organizations that are allowed to thrive without ever hiring minorities. I see, and like when our community says like, hey, let me see a picture of your, oh, you believe Black Lives Matter? Let me see a picture of your board. Do you have anybody Black on your board? Do you have anybody Brown on your board, right? Um, before, when we start spending money with companies and investing in companies that do the right thing, I think we're well on our way to that. Um, I think that, America has spoiled us with like the gluten-free sign and the uh, organic sign. And so we're waiting. Um, And I'm hoping that um, one thing, one service that I can provide to community is to be able to do equity um, analysis and post those for you guys. So Mm -hmm. you can see which companies are being 
more equitable. Like that's one of my long-term strategic plans um, is to be able to do that because we're so used to it, right? Like if you if you go somewhere and it's keto, it's gonna have the K on it. It's gonna yeah. be right here yeah. for you. Um, and I think a lot of times we allow people to trick us into believing that Black Lives Matter with their posts. Yeah. Um, and they're not doing the things that we talked about earlier. And that is really the piece, right? So supporting people who are doing the work. Wow. I mean, another like lightning striking moment for me was when you just said the equity audits, I'll say, um, and thinking in line with B corporations and how sophisticated that auditing process is and the accreditation process can be and how important it is to, to know and for some businesses go through all of the work to be accredited as a B Corp. Um, that seems like a really uh, worthwhile, exciting and challenging endeavor. That's exciting. Yeah, but I mean, that's the stuff that, that's the stuff my business like that's what I do. I'm an educator. Mm -hmm. I'm an assessment maker. Like that's mm -hmm. what I do. So I'm excited about that work. I think that that will be for me what I've learned in all of this from that marketing video to the video I made for my friends is that people do want to help. And as a black woman, I could never understand the barriers or the blocks to helping. And I feel like we've had a lot of bad training in our community. Um, a video that I want to make, like the next video that I'm intending to make is to address how white people stop other white people from understanding equity. Mm -hmm. um, and it will be the person who, the other person who understands equity because they're so angry and frustrated because they mm -hmm. finally see it. And now if you say, Aisha, you're well-spoken, it's a it's cat fight, right? Or, <laughs> you know, and so you're stopping that person from their own um, growth and development. And in my video that I did to my white friends, which are also, of course, I'm in business. So my white friends are business owners and marketers. And, you know, I, one of the things I said was like, I want all of my white friends to be students of humanity. And so I want to be a student of humanity. I know I don't have all of the answers. I want everybody around me to know that we don't all have the answers and that we're not arguing to be right, but we're arguing to get it right. And so mm -hmm. with that, with that piece of it, I feel like, what I am learning or the biggest thing that I've learned this week is that people want to do good and they don't know how. If you guys just have to understand from me that I don't understand that and I'm learning how to deal with the yeah. fact that you can't see that our kids can't read, that you can't see that I'm being discriminated against, that you like... I, it's really hard for me to understand that and I'm, that's what I'm wrapping my head around against. And so it's these conversations with friends that really allow us to understand that. And I know it to be true because I only named three or four organizations in my video and they all are getting more donations, more visibility. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I give the guidance there, I'm seeing people do the work there. So this is new for me. Um, and in my book, I wrote a book called The Courage Principle. I talk about how when we launched Equity Over Everything, we did it on Juneteenth um, in partnership with the Martin Luther King Association, and we held it at Lenore Ryan, um, and I planned the Juneteenth. So here I am, a Black girl from Alabama. 
So I'm planning the Juneteenth. I'm super excited. I see in my head the future, little black girls with afros and people singing. And I just totally romanticized it. Yeah. So the day of the actual Juneteenth, we show up and some panelists um, didn't show up. And so I had to sit down and be one of the panelists in the show. And that was my first time in the moment, just like taking a deep breath and looking out at the audience. And I looked out at the audience and it was black people, white people, brown people. It was like all these people at Juneteenth. And in that moment, I realized that really with equity in Asheville, we really don't have an equity problem. Like most white people want me to be free. They want to celebrate um, the, free, the freeing of slavery. They want to see me thrive. They just don't have the courage to do the thing that they need to do to make it happen because they are afraid of losing relationships. They're afraid of losing their own power. And so that's really what we have to teach because most of the people that I meet here are not like crazy racist KKK. They're just like yeah. not really understanding what's going on. They really don't know how to do it and they really need truth and like strong honesty and that is what I've learned this week, which has been very eye-opening for me. Yeah, and in in fear of, uh, I always try and ask when an acronym shows up, but uh, Juneteenth might not, not every listener might not know what Juneteenth is. Can you maybe just one sentence on Juneteenth? Yes, Juneteenth is the official holiday for the celebrating of the ending of slavery. Mm -hmm. And we call it Juneteenth because when the ending of slavery happened, you know, it was like Pony Express delivery to tell everybody like what happened in the war. And so we're not sure when everybody found out that the war was over and that we were free. And so we call it Juneteenth. And we here in Asheville, we celebrate it usually on June 19th. Noted. It's coming up soon. Yeah. It's, my, it's one of my favorite holidays. Well, uh, we will this year, uh, and I'm, I'm very afraid of coronavirus and I'm such a nervous Nelly, but if there is something in the community, we ask that, uh, or we will follow you and participate and show up uh, with courage. Yeah. I think in our conversations right now, we're, we're going to try to do some live streaming. I think it's important to socially distance. And I want to let you guys know, like I'm only going out for like food once a week mm -hmm. and in my mask, like, I'm here as much as possible. Um, it hurts me that I can't be at the protest the way I want to be, but I have an underlining condition. My son has an underlining condition and therefore it is best for me um, to be home, but I can support in other ways. Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah. what I've been doing is trying to lift my voice in other ways. And so I'm definitely not asking people to leave the house if they're not ready because your safety, you can't help us if you're not well. So please yeah. be well first. Um, but I do say that there's so much you can do um, for Juneteenth, even if that just means donating to an organization or if it means um, doing something nice for your neighbor. I, I just think it's worth it and mm. it feels good. And for me, in that moment changed me completely. I was like, oh, so 
they're all here and they're celebrating. It was, mm-hmm. and I've been to a lot of Juneteenth. I've celebrated Juneteenth my whole life, you know? But when I'm in Birmingham, like I don't see a lot of white people at the Juneteenth, right? So that's what I mean. We are doing the work. We just have a long way to go. Yeah. So I, I want to learn a little bit more about your book, The Courage Principle. Um, could you tell us sort of, again, an overview highlight of, mm-hmm. the, of what you were trying to write about? Yeah. So I did a mastermind with a few friends of mine. You may mm-hmm. um, know Sarah Benoit, um, Emily Breedlove, Sarah mm-hmm. Poet, Megan O'Malley. So we were all got together and we were like, we're going to write an ebook in 30 days. That's a powerhouse crew. I know, right? <laughs> Those are my girls. Those are my, my girls. Um, so we we all were going to do these ebooks in 30 days and everybody was like just breezing through the arrows. And I was like, oh, I have nothing. <laughs> nothing. So I um, just wanted to share that Juneteenth story. And then it's a workbook. Um it's interactive. It has some blog posts by some other writers um, in the membership platform, but it's really just about how do you use your courage as a proposition for your leadership ethos? So just really, I guess in plain language, like, are you checking to make sure the decision you're making is courageous? Are you in tune with the six types of courage? And are you operating to move forward in them as you make your decisions? Um, but before that, it's also, you know, worksheets to help you identify what is my influence? How can I influence something? And where am I leading? And so I found a lot of people don't even know where their influence is or where they're leading. And so it's, it's all that in one little ebook, like the crash course. Um, the live course will be at Lenore Ryan for the Lenore Ryan Diversity and Equity Institute. Um, coming in July and um, it'll be you know more stretched out but it's just a little ebook that I put together because I wanted to be in community with my friends again just community nice I love a good workbook so I feel like (laughs) I would geek out about that (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm glad to hear that somebody loves workbooks that's that's cool (laughs) I I am yeah I am like that kind of you know, Tony was saying earlier how he's like, I hated reading and I, you know, couldn't, you couldn't let me read a book. Like I'm the opposite. Like I love just like, like I need to see something in front of me and just read it and digest it. And that's just how I'm, how I think. I think that's how I am too. And you know, what's interesting, like I did super well in school. I was public school. Like my husband's like, I can't believe you were Miss English. And he's just like always joking in the background, like Miss Mm -hmm. English. And uh, my English teacher, this was like, I was Miss English for college. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and my professor is still on my Facebook. And every time my professor like shares one of my posts, he's like, okay, Miss English. (laughs) You know, my husband's always joking with me. So it was really good for me. And so I don't think we like need to end public school. I actually, you know, am very grateful for the education that I got. I think we just need um, a more honest conversation about who can be served in this way and who needs these other ways to be serviced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. I'm, I'm very into uh, apprenticeships and very practical applications of skills and, uh, you know, the idea that something 
that everything can be learned, but some things can't be taught um, is something that keeps showing up for us. And um, it's, it's, it's a, for me, I'm an, ex, I learn by exposure to things. And so uh, I, I'm with you on, I don't know how important uh, school is for some people in meaning school as it currently exists. Uh, right. Sarah's, Sarah's well, notebooks and journaling. I'm, I need a conversation. Like, I don't know how I feel about a thing until I'm in a conversation about it and I'm finding the words and hearing what, how, how it's landing. And then I'm like, Oh wait, no, wait, this is the, this is what I, I believe. And I could never find it in a journal. Interesting. Are you an introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Are you an introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have you, have you heard of the Enneagram? Aisha? Yeah. Okay, we number? we're like we're like in the throes of that right now. I think I'm a six, mm-hmm. and and I'm a seven. So I'm I'm an enthusiast. I'm yeah. I'm all about positivity and excitement. Give me give me the good vibes. I'm a five, mm-hmm. and I'm an introvert, and I'm not shy or quiet. But my husband is very shy and very quiet. But he gets his energy from people, and he's an extrovert. Huh. So people always think we're opposite. But I'm like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been around people. He's like, I've ta- I'm talking to you today and then I'm giving a end keynote um, later today for a virtual conference. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're going to be done with people. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, can we just sit here quiet? Can that be our date? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I know. I know exactly what you mean. Like after this, I'll just need to like decompress and not talk to anybody for a few hours. And you'll be like, I just had the most amazing conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like quarantine's been so weird because like I, I love, like I get so much excitement out of this mm-hmm. now. And this is my only version of like human interaction. And then like we went to the vigil last night and what would normally be my happy place was not happy. I was so nervous about like people, how close are they to me? Like, you know, are they breathing? What's their breathing looking like? And, and like normally extroverted, I would be so wired and want to like meet everybody. I was not that. So I am, um, I feel like my, my wires have short circuited and I am somehow a different person through this pandemic. And, uh, I don't know what, what's going to happen when we finally work our way through it. I don't even know what's going on with it, to be honest. I don't know what's happening. Somebody's like, can you meet me for dinner? And people are like trying to book me live. And I'm like, they said it's coming back. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> Hold off. We'll, just we'll know in about two weeks uh, just how crazy yeah. things are going to be. Yeah, you know, a week mm-hmm. after this comes out. And in the future, you'll know uh, people who listen to this in 2021 and are like, whoa, it got really weird after that. <laughs> As if it could be more weird, right? right. Like there's yeah. so much happening in the what world right July now. What does July have in store? I keep saying aliens. I keep saying aliens, which <laughs> is probably belittling the, the real stuff that's happening now, but that would be the, the next evolution. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So Aisha, tell us, like looking, uh, speaking of the future as we mm-hmm. talk about all the craziness, but but what are you thinking about coming up in the next year in 2021? What sort of goals or milestones are you looking forward to? Yeah, so we are definitely launching the 
Um, we're in the final stages of the contract with Lenore Ryan for the Lenore mm -hmm. Ryan Diversity, Equity, and Inclusivity Institute, which is the largest sale um, of my work that I've ever like endeavored in. So the largest business mm -hmm. deal for me. That's and so awesome. focusing 2021 on helping, having my community help me make it what it needs to be. So making sure that my friends are learning what they need to learn so that they can um, tackle complex social issues in their work and in their communities, as well as helping them learn how to build spaces of diver diversity, equity, and inclusivity through their work is super important to me. Um, and then getting those equity audits out and done and building a database for where conscious leaders in our community can say, hey, this is where I'm putting my money. So those are like my two major goals for 2020 20 and 2021. So awesome. those are the things I'm working on. And is the Lenore Ryan uh, set to be like a full year? Is it like a school year? Is that the Oh, no, no, no. Concept? So the Equity Institute is me literally challenging my community and people who are in community with me to spend 30 hours focused on diversity, equity, and inclusivity in exchange for an actual certificate oh, from wow. Lenore Ryan University saying, hey, I've done this work in my community. I've, I've done the 30 hours. I've, um, and there we have three concentrations, which is business, um, technology, and education. And so if you're in any of those fields and you want to get that certificate from Lenore Ryan, you'd actually come to the Institute. My role is that I um, develop the curriculum um, and the business model. And um, I, my team and I are the teachers and we're kind of running the Institute in partnership with Lamar Ryan. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for anyone who says they are ready to be a student of humanity yeah. and that they are ready to make complex social issues better within their workspaces. Mm -hmm. I love that. And will, will you have to go to Hickory for the Institute or is no, it? The Ryan, it'll be on the Lenore Ryan campus in Asheville. Oh, great. But right now during the pandemic, we are um, doing digital. virtual. So Perfect. if yeah. you're interested, I would love to have you. Um, Amazing. Anybody. Yeah. Cool. We'll, we'll make sure exciting. that we, we work with you on links and, and if it needs to be announced in the future, we'll make that announcement, but that's very exciting and congratulations. So we're really excited about that. And, this piece of that that I'd like to share with you that I think that you guys would really love and we'll have to work with you on this piece, but the, the closing piece of the Institute is a two hour session of the folding chair and folding chair is something that I designed that we've been doing in community here. Um, but it's about inclusive, inclusive networking. And so what'll happen is people who are finishing the Institute, you can take one class or get the certificate, however you want to do. But at the end of the week, we have this event and that's where we really bring in community. And so I just launched a podcast called Justice or Nah. Um, mm -hmm. And in that podcast, I'm talking to different people and they're sharing their stories. For me, it's a great opportunity to bridge. When I go to professional workshops, they'll give me information and then I'll have to bring it back into my community and keep stumbling on it until I get the community connection. So we're hoping that the folding chair sessions are a place where you can connect. So like, I'm hoping to get Johnny Rush there to come tell his story to community and answer questions and, you know, make sure he gets paid for being able to, of course, share his story, but also for community members who 
have been looking at that education piece to say, oh, that could be Johnny's children in my class. And that's why this information is so important. Or that could be, you know, Johnny applying for this job. And that's why this information is so important. And so that's another really important piece of what we're doing and how we're bringing in the arts and creativity and like podcasting and, you know, video into the space of equity and how, how we're building that in the process. We are at your service. Please let us know. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Great. So we're going to move into our final little bit, which is what we call the speed round, but it's not really a speed it's round. Not, we wouldn't call it the high speed round. It's just for, we need to put a name on it. So we call it the speed round. All right, let's do it. All right. So first question for you, Aisha, is uh, what book are you reading right now? Or what was the last book that you read? What book am I reading right now? I think it's called This Will Be My Undoing. It's about this girl who went to this Ivy League school. The last good book I read was uh, Lamar Odom, Failing Up. Failing Up? Yeah, he was in Hamilton, Failing Up. It's Mm -hmm. the best book. Awesome. Love it. Um, How about movie that was meaningful? Because that's how I like to interpret and, and learn movie that was meaningful to you recently movie that was meaningful oh gosh i am more of a series person like i like to watch like uh and right now i'm watching designated survivor and shooter simultaneously um which is weird but i think the movie i guess would be the madam cj walker movie that just came out i feel like it was really interesting um, when they see us was like really um, eye-opening for me in my work. So those are, I would say, my two movies. Awesome. awesome. We'll have links to those. In Asheville or around Asheville, what is like the one spot? And it could be indoors, it could be outdoors, it could be, uh, you know, street, whatever it is. What's like your your favorite spot to go to? In Asheville, girl, my mm-hmm. bed. Um, I guess that's technically Mills River so I would say like I just like to eat I feel like we have such good food I miss like plants I miss yeah um just being able to eat like we eat so good I miss Mount Madre I miss Mm. I miss food yeah so anywhere where there's good you know yeah and that not all food like picks up that well. You know what I mean? Like you want to like support, to take away, like yeah. to take away, like you want to support and you're like, all right, we'll, we'll order in. And it's like, I, I almost just want to wait until I can sit there and, and eat. So it's a, it's a weird it, time for a city that has such good food. Yeah. Especially in business, right? Like when you have a business and your business is food, you are looking at, okay, how do I keep my flavor from like grilled to table, not like grilled to like bare table. So that 15, yeah. 20 minutes will make such a big difference. And I've worked on teams that have been like preparing restaurants and uh, I've seen people like, I wouldn't eat a burger that took 17 minutes and I didn't really understand until now I'm like, I just, you know, do not get carry out grits. Just trust me on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it ends up being a like fundamentally different business also like running a restaurant and running a exclusively takeout business are different 
businesses to your point, right? Like we, we ordered tacos the other night and because we thought we had signed up for a text message system and we got notified via email, the taco sat there for an hour, right? Like that was the worst, worst possible outcome is like, you know, the food's not as good for us. They're not getting customers that are eating the food the way that they want us to eat it. And, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's such an interesting time filled with so many, yeah. I guess, opportunities to learn and evolve for business owners and for humans. Um, awesome. Well, isn't that what business is though? Like I do mm-hmm. a lot of business coaching. A lot of people want to spend one-on-one time to me, with me. And my first question is, okay, what problem are you going to solve? Like, I'm not really interested in what your passion is because that's mm. your business. But what problem are you going to solve for the rest of us to make us give you our money so that you will be able to live out that passion. And so I think it's become pretty evident in the restaurants for the people who are there to serve and then who are, which restaurants are there to do their passion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can tell that by their pivot. And then those that are struggling to pivot, when they get more focused on the customer, they'll get it right. Cause I have a few spots that I go to to eat mm-hmm. um, and I love everything about what they do. And there are a few places that my husband wants to go. And I'm like, no, they're not socially distanced properly. I'm not going there. You, you can starve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very, yeah, that's a great observation. Uh, hard pivot to our uh, question that shows up in every podcast. And that's if we or someone in our audience had a magic wand and you could ask a single question today, what question would you ask? Request. Is it a request or a question? Sorry, like a, a wish. Request, a magic, magic one. Oh, wish. wish. I wish. Yeah. You know, I just wish equity over everything. Hmm. Equity for women, pay equity, equity in the justice system, equity in the education system, and not just for people of color, but for all people. I want to be in a place where everyone has an equal stake in the community so that our communities can thrive and our children can be happy and healthy and we can have more fun. Here's to that. Aisha, um, where can our audience connect with you on the internet? Yeah, mostly on Facebook. Um, Aisha Mm -hmm. Johnson Adams is my personal page or blogger Aisha Adams um, is my brand page um, or on Instagram. I think it's blogger Aisha Adams as well. or out in community. You can find me where um, people are working to make our community better. That's the best place to find me. And if we want to buy a t-shirt? Um, equityovereverything.org. Or if you wanted to say Asheville, North Carolina, hit up um, the chamber. Awesome. Gift shop. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that you have what will go down as the greatest soundbite on that closeout, which is if you want to find me, I'll be where people are working to make a better community. Holy smokes, my heart. That is like, <laughs> that's, that should be your byline on Instagram or on uh, LinkedIn. But um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's a privilege and we're, we're excited to share the story with the community. Well, I just want to say I'm so excited to be in community with both of you. Um, thank you for having me and thank you for doing this work. Um, really helping business owners see the possibilities in their dreams. I feel like it's very important work, especially now with all the doom and gloom. You guys just keep giving our community a ray of sunshine and a reason to smile and a reason to 
move forward. So I just appreciate your work and I'm thrilled to be in community with you. And that was episode 60 with Aisha Adams. And we are, again, so thankful to have her on the show. We are inspired. We feel motivated to act. We now, more than ever, have a sense of what those actions can be and should be. Um, and we're excited to, in her language, like be in community with Aisha. So if you are listening to this episode um, and you are a part of this Asheville community, please do reach out uh, to us. Um, we love to be a greater resource to you as we continue to do this work. Um, and what place we'll send you to first is to the show notes page, which is makingitinashville.com slash zero six zero. That's where all of the information, all of the links from this episode, all of the um, research that we're doing and the notes that we took from this conversation will be. And so we'll say start there. And then also subscribe to our podcast uh, email list, right? And being a part of that is going to make sure that you're connected to any of the work that we're doing from this. It'll make sure that you're connected to um, the Lenore Ryan um, course and, and community as that's announced. And um, and any of the, the work based on this episode that we do, we will be communicating through the email list. So please do consider joining it. And if you enjoyed this episode, as always, we kindly ask that you leave a review and share this podcast with anyone who you think might also enjoy it. Reviews help other people discover this podcast. They help us get the word out. The best place to leave a review is on Apple. And thanks in advance. Thanks in advance. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we also want to give another shout out to our episode and season sponsor, Range Urgent Care. Uh, Again, we've said it once, we'll say it again, that Range is doing things so fundamentally different. It is exciting to have them in our community. Some of the treatments that you can get when going to Range uh, are, you know, having a professional look at your sprained ankle. Is it broken? Is it bad? Do you need an extra? These are all things that can be solved without going into an emergency room. Um, That said, if you are facing what looks like an emergency, one of the ways I would say is if you could see the bone, don't go to urgent care, right? But if it's a bruise, it's a bump, it's a scrape, it's a rash, maybe that's something that you don't need to go to the ER for. Um, And we highly, highly recommend that you check out Range Urgent Care. We think that the pricing model is so innovative and transparent that it is the future, and we get to experience it here. So for $30 a month, Um, you get the peace of mind of knowing that you'll always be able to get the care that you need, the advice that you need. Um, and that means the world to me personally, I'm a subscriber. And so if you are interested in it, we recommend you go to makingitinashville.com forward slash range, and we'll link to all of the subscription packages they have. And because you're a listener, you will get your first month of an annual subscription for free. That's a really generous offer, and we are thankful for the sponsorship. Thank you, Range Urgent Care. Um, There you go. Thank you, Range Urgent Care. Cool. Who else are we thanking for sponsoring the podcast? Well, it wouldn't. This podcast wouldn't be possible if it weren't for our own marketing agency, making it creative. Uh, Tony and I started this agency when we first moved to Asheville, combining our, both of our marketing experiences, Tony in sales and myself in content marketing. We help small and med- to medium-sized businesses across Asheville and across 
the world now uh, with their marketing strategy to really hone in on what is that biggest lever that we can pull to grow their sales, to connect with the right audience, to hone their message in a way that is more meaningful. So you can learn more about our agency at makingitcreative.com. One more time, that's makingitcreative.com. Also, we want to let you know that uh, I I mentioned the email list earlier um, in this post-show conversation, but if you subscribe to our email list, you'll also get to be first to know about any of the events that we're running. Uh, We do monthly what we're calling Monday Maker Mixers. Those mixers are meant to connect this community face-to-face, whether that's virtually or in person, virtually for the last couple months and what looks like the next couple months. Um, But we are constantly looking for ways to add value to this community uh, above and beyond just this podcast. The way that you will know when uh, when those events are happening, when those products are being launched, when those um, ideas are being uh, executed is by being a part of our email list. You can join that email list at makingitinashville.com forward slash subscribe. And we thank you for being a part of this community. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, we are always looking for new people to interview here in town. You can nominate them at makingitinashville.com forward slash podcast. We have a nifty little form there where you can fill out some more information about you or the guests that you'd like to nominate. And also, we welcome you to attend one of our Monday uh, Maker Mixer events. Um, We'd love to meet you in person and get to know about you and your business a little bit more there. Perfect people that was episode 60 there's a lot more work to be done a lot more stories to be told here in Asheville and we are thankful that you are here today and you know we look forward to being an even better um, more inclusive part uh, and an active part of the Asheville community so without much more we'll just say thank you again and we look forward to what good comes from the work that we do based on this episode Sarah Episode 60. High five.